friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. Boy, this COVID virus has really upset the apple cart in our lives. So it was just about this time last year, I think, that we were reading about the first cases in California, and we were bracing ourselves that eventually it was going to make New York. Whoever thought a year ago, when we were hearing these reports, that a year later it would still be very much a part of our lives. I think we thought it would last for a couple of weeks or so and then disappear. Boy, were we mistaken, huh? And of course, the effects of it have been catastrophic, most seriously in the loved ones that we have lost to the disease. But the disruption of the economy, of jobs, and so many other things have been serious. And then there's even little nuisances, even little things we have to do differently that maybe don't terribly change our lives, but upset even the normal stuff we do. And one of them is this evening, ashes on Ash Wednesday. Normally, of course, you know we come and we make the cross on your forehead with the ashes. But during the COVID, we can't have any physical contact with anyone. So if we were to follow the, the usual way we do it, as the Cardinal told us that, well, we're free to do that, but if so, what we have to do is in between each person that we give ashes to, we have to uh, purify our finger again, and then give ashes to another person, purify our finger, and another, and of course that would go on forever. And Father, um, what the heck is my assistant's name? Father, you see what fasting does to you? Father James. Father James and I were talking about it, and we felt that was a bit cumbersome. So the Cardinal did give us another option that we could use, and that was to follow what they do in many parts of Europe, especially in Rome. That in ordinary circumstances on Ash Wednesday, when you go there, they don't make the sign of the cross with the ashes on your forehead, but rather they sprinkle them onto the top of your head. And in doing that, we don't have to worry about physical contact, we don't have to cleanse our hands in between. So for this year, we're going to experience the sacramental of receiving ashes as the Europeans do. So we'll be little Romans this year. We'll get to appreciate how people in other parts of the world celebrate Ash Wednesday. So tonight when you come to receive your ashes, instead of having them imposed on your forehead, we will sprinkle them on the top of your head. And actually, I find that the symbol of that perhaps is a little stronger or closer to what we, the, the original meaning of ashes was. Wearing ashes is an ancient sign that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. When people were repenting before the Lord of their sins, they would sit in sackcloth, which is basically like a burlap sack, a burlap sack, you know, a potato sack, you know, on their bare skin, and so it was rough and abrasive, and it would rub them and probably cut a little bit here and there, and was certainly not a comfortable thing to wear. And they would cover themselves from head to toe with ashes. Obviously a very uncomfortable situation. And that was a sign to themselves and everyone else that they were doing penance for their sins. And that has remained throughout the church even to what we do today. In fact, this is the last vestige we have of that ancient custom, is wearing ashes on Ash Wednesday. And in the old days, as they would be poured on our head, maybe today even just sprinkling a little on the top of our head, helps us see you know, a, more, a more direct connection to what the wearing of ashes originally meant. And I've been finding in thinking about it that it can kind of help us break a little misunderstanding of ashes that's gone on for many years now. For many people over the years, we found out that 
You know, people lost the track of why we wear ashes in the first place. I've even heard people preaching on it and saying, well, we wear these ashes today to show everybody we're Catholic. You know, and for some people it's to make their statements and go out and tell everybody, look at me, I'm a good Catholic. That is hardly the statement that wearing ashes is meant to be. We're not telling everybody, I'm a good and holy person. Rather, we're telling them, I'm a sinner and I need to turn back to God. And so that's the reason for our wearing ashes on Ash Wednesday. Not to make people proud of us for the fact that we, um, we go to church and that we wear our ashes, but to remind people, and most especially ourselves, that we are sinners. And having them on the top of our head rather than our forehead, maybe today is going to help us to reflect a little bit more as to what they really mean. That other people are probably gonna be less inclined to look at us and say, oh, do you have ashes on the top of your head? that it becomes more of a personal thing, something between us and God that maybe other people won't notice, just as the Lord tells us to do in the Gospel reading today. When we fast, when we pray, do it privately, not for the appraisal or the approval and applause of other people, but to do it just for God. And also maybe it would help with even one of the other things that has happened with Ash Wednesday is that it's become just a cultural thing, something that people do, you know, even if they're not very much you know, faithful Catholics. Well, they come and get their ashes on Ash Wednesday, just like people might wear green on St. Patrick's Day, even if they're not Irish. And for many people, it was merely a custom. And that was so beautifully or repeatedly spelled out for us when we would see, you know, you would go in you know, on Ash Wednesday, you'd go into a restaurant, and there's a whole bunch of people with ashes on their forehead, and their steaks with their plates with a beautiful steak on it. Well, yeah, you see the problem? Ash Wednesday is a day of fast and abstinence. So we're supposed to abstain from all meat and only eat one regular-sized meal, and then two smaller ones which combined do not make a normal meal simply to, resort, to keep our strength so that we don't pass out and that we don't eat anything in between meals. And yet, we know so often many people have completely ignored that, and wearing ashes was simply something you do on Ash Wednesday. And without realizing it, and I don't say this to, you know, to shame anybody else or point fingers at anyone, but when people would do that, if they're wearing ashes simply for the purpose of wearing ashes and have no intention of entering into days of penance, of return to the way things are supposed to be and leaving sin behind, and when we see that by blatantly eating meat with ashes in our forehead, well, in effect, we become hypocrites because we're telling everybody else out there, look at me, I'm a good person, I'm going to go out, and I'm repenting before God. Not really, I'm still gonna have my meat tonight. And so, of course, most people don't even think of it that way. And that's why the church has been, for the last a bunch of years now, at least the 31 years since I've been ordained, and much, even longer than that, encourage people not to just be giving out ashes all day, but that we have to receive our ashes within context of prayer or a mass. So we have only prayer services and mass, and we don't have the priest just sitting in front of the altar for two hours or three hours, just letting people come and get their ashes and leave. So that's the reason why we do it the way we do now, to remind ourselves that the sacramental of wearing ashes is merely a symbol to ourselves of the repentance that we have begun in our lives. And so hopefully, all of us being here this evening, that's what we intended, that we've come here to say, you know what, I need to return to God. My life is not perfect. That's not to beat ourselves up or try to make it sound like we're all miserable sinners and we're horrible people or anything like that. No, I'm sure every one of us here is basically a decent and good person. I'm sure we're not all going out murdering people every day or committing all sorts of mortal sins. Yeah, very much true. 
But all of us do have venial sins, the little things that we do, even the little nuisances that cause conflict in our families, with our loved ones, at workplaces, in school, whatever it may be. The stuff that we do that just makes life harder on other people. And if we did nothing less than just try to figure out a way that maybe I could be a little more patient with my brother or sister, or my elderly parents, as they get older and need more help from me, can I be more patient with them and not complain that I have to do things for them that they used to be able to do for themselves? Or so many other things that we deal with. Maybe there's somebody at work who's always very sensitive and thinks that everything that happened was deliberately against them. And sometimes we just want to blast them and tell them, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? You, you really think everybody comes to work today worried about blasting you for what you did? But nobody's thinking that, but maybe that person does. Or a difficult neighbor. Or whatever it may be. Whatever the situations in our lives that we know we need to tweak. Maybe it might be something that's like a compulsive behavior, maybe we drink too much or something like that, and we say we want to cut back on that and keep it appropriate. Fair enough. But every once in a while, I'll meet somebody who says, well, I don't really need to do that because I don't commit any sin. Really? Hmm. Well, I always say, anytime I ask somebody tells me that, I said, do you drive a car? And I said, yeah. I said, then you sin. There's no getting around it. Let's face it. Yeah, some of the most uh, docile and meek people, once they're behind the wheel of a car, become absolute demons and will scream all sorts of profanities at that person who cut us off, that person who's going too slowly, that person who's trying to push us on the road because we're not going fast enough for their sake. And I've always said if you take St. Francis of Assisi and put him behind the wheel of a car, he'd be in confession in a minute. So I'm sure if we all look in our lives, we'll be honest enough perhaps to say, yeah, I don't have any serious sins. Maybe some of us do. And if we do have serious sins, okay, be honest enough to say, you know, I really need to make a major change in my life. And what better time than Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, to start changing and being the person I'm meant to be. But probably for most of us, it's the little venial sins, the little things we need to improve upon. And so we ask the Lord to help us during this time. And that's one of the reasons why we give something up during Lent, to try to break our sense of self-indulgence, that we're very good at doing that, buying or giving ourselves whatever we want, and just saying, hey, well, I'm gonna go out with, go without candy or coffee or soda, whatever we choose to do for the 40 days of Lent. Not because there's anything wrong in any of those things, but just to deny myself something now, because I remember there was that one time when I indulged myself, I said or did something sinful, and so now I want to have that, bought that can of Coke, well, no, I won't do it. I'll have water instead. I'll make that sacrifice to pay back for that sin that I committed. And it also helps us, when we combine our, our fasting, our penitential practices with prayer and almsgiving, of having us reach out of ourselves and look to the needs of other people, and not always see life about meeting my own needs, but being somebody who reaches out to understand and help meet the needs of others. Ultimately, to live as disciples of Christ in this world the way we're meant to live. And to remember to value what's really important. I think sometimes in our lives we all fall into the weakness of worrying only about the here and now. What I need today. What's going to meet this need or that. And some of them are, are realistic. Maybe other times we might be honest enough to say what I'm really worrying about are frivolous. And I think it's so important, and maybe it really isn't. And to remember the big picture, that God has come to save our souls and restore what was lost by original sin and our own sin. He has come for nothing less 
and to draw us into total and complete union with him, that we can be forever in his loving embrace, here, now, in this life, and when our life is over, our souls in his kingdom. And when we give ourselves to the Lord and do things his way, we discover a joy that is beyond anything you and I could even begin to imagine. And all the trivial things we so worry about, the money that we make, and the other things that sometimes we overemphasize in our lives become so meaningless once we taste of the real gifts that the Lord gives us in the receiving of the Eucharist and receiving of the gifts he gives us. But sin is a barrier to God's presence in our lives. The more sin we have, the more God cannot enter in. And so we need to cleanse our hearts of all those sinful things, everything that keep us from running the way we're meant to be and for living our lives and allowing ourselves to be filled with the graces of God. I like to think of it as when you go to have your car tuned up. You know all very well that if we take the car for a tune-up and you know they go in, they change the oil, they change the filters, and they tune up all the mechanisms so the timing is all perfect, they check the air and the tires and everything, and they do everything and they say, all right, everything is fixed, and you drive that car out of the shop, and that car which was sputtering before now is purring like a kitten. Well, that's what our souls need to do once in a while. And that's what Lent is, our spiritual journey of tuning up our hearts. That our lives are not meant for the things of this world, but the things that God wants to give us. And so to go into our lives and clean out all the things that keep our lives from purring like a kitten, of it, like a kitten if you will, from things going the way they're meant to be. Taking out the sin and the other things that choke the carburetor, like in a car, and things that could do that in our own lives. The worries that keep us focusing on all the wrong things and not the call to holiness that God wants to give all of us. And so, my friends, as we begin these 40 days of Lent, may they truly be a time of tune-up for us, a time where we give more attention to the Lord in our prayer, by our sacrifices, and our outreach to others, so that we can say, Lord, help me to live the life that you want me to live, that you created me to be. For I know, Lord, if I stop living life my way and start living it your way, I will find so much more happiness, so much more peace, so much more meaning in my life, and indeed, the best thing I'll discover I did for myself was what, when I took seriously the words I heard on Ash Wednesday when I came for ashes, repent and believe in the gospel. May Jesus Christ be praised. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.